Welcome back to Conservative Conversations. I'm your host, Reed. And I'm Frank. Today we're going to be talking about the government of Texas versus Biden border showdown and the new border bill. Before we get started, listeners, I want to remind you to please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And you can also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. To start off, I wanted to talk about the situation regarding the state of Texas and the federal government over the border. And how recently Texas has been putting up the razor wire fencing at different spots along the border with Mexico and Texas. And then uh, Border Patrol agents from the federal government have been coming in and removing it and cutting it down. Right. Um, that whole story. Well, because that went to the Supreme Court, didn't it? Um, but, uh, the, I saw a more recent clip of Governor Abbott. I'll have to see if I can find it and put it in the show notes. But he explained that the federal, the Supreme Court actually didn't rule or give an opinion on anything, really. They basically just stated that uh, the... Border Patrol is allowed to enter in case of emergency, but they never said whether or not uh, you know, Texas should or shouldn't be putting up the razor wire. They kind of just left it as is, but said Border Patrol is allowed to remove it in case of emergency. So they can do their job. <laughs> right. That's all anybody said. So they can do their job. So they right. can do their job. Um, but I believe the uh, state of Texas is trying to sue the federal government over part of the whole issue. And one of the things that uh, their Texas is doing is trying to invoke a clause in the Constitution uh, regarding a state's ability to protect itself against an invasion. And there is a recent episode of... Fox News went down uh-huh. with the host talking to Professor John Turley. Oh, yeah. From, I think, George Washington University. Okay. And he was explaining that, at least in his opinion anyway, that he doesn't think the argument that it's an invasion is going to hold up well because he doesn't believe what's happening now is what the framers of the Constitution meant by an invasion. Um, He believes... Whatever. I think they could be convinced. (laughs) I think it is an invasion. Right. Just look at the numbers, for goodness sakes. Well, his his argument is that they meant it as more like uh, an organized government or military... Just because something's not declared and formal... Right. Doesn't mean that it can't be happening. Right. I get that because one of my arguments that I would make, and I'm certainly no legal scholar, is this, the, government of Me- the government of Mexico is not even doing anything to stop the people from coming to our border through their country. So I think in a way, the gov- of government of Mexico is approving all these people to just come into into our country. Well, the biggest problem is with us and with Joe Biden encouraging right. them to come. 
Right, right, right. That's one thing. But I think what's interesting is because Professor Turley also talked about um, how there is a good question to be answered of what um, what states are allowed to do. Because right now it seems like uh, Texas or any other border state it's just supposed to stand by and allow all these people to enter into their state with seemingly no restrictions. Right. And it does present you know, danger and harm to the population. So it seems like the question does need to be answered. What, what are states allowed to do in these situations regarding uh, immigration? Because they, in the interview, they also mentioned back during the Obama administration with the Arizona case. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, I'm not sure. It was where Arizona, the state of Arizona had tried to pass, or maybe did pass a law, where I guess state police officers or sheriffs or whatnot were allowed to ask people for the immigration papers to see if they're uh, legally allowed to be in the country. Uh huh. And the yeah, DOJ. Ring a bell, actually. Yeah, the DOJ at the time under Obama, I think it sued them over that. And the Supreme Court had ruled that at the time that states uh, weren't allowed to do that and immigration enforcement was uh, given more deference to the federal government. Um, yeah, and Jonathan Charlie points out that now we've got the opposite of that, where the federal government's not even doing their job, and what what can states do about it? Yeah, so I think it's kind of a fascinating question, you know, because uh, in my mind, I might not be saying it quite right, but you know, the Constitution doesn't. And have all the answers written in it, but it could pretty much answer all the questions when you need to have the questions answered. And hopefully that's what, what's going to happen. This issue will go up to the court and uh, the Supreme Court will hopefully follow what uh, they believe the Constitution says regarding this issue. Because I think it's pretty pretty big ones I think going to be one of the biggest uh, issues of our current time well absolutely I mean the immigration thing is just blowing up right now right. I think it's part of the you know the campaigns and the presidential um, cycle that mm -hmm. we're going through people are talking about it whereas maybe you know they wouldn't ordinarily right. talk about it yeah I've heard that there are some polls that show immigration is the number one issue now over the economy. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's definitely... Well, it has a lot of implications. I mean, if you right. look at what's happened in places like California, mm -hmm. where they've just, um, you know, put it in place that these undocumented people or whatever, however they refer to them, can now get Medi-Cal. They now qualify oh, yeah. for Medi-Cal uh -huh. benefits. 
And there's a story out of New York where New York's about to give something like $53 million in prepaid visa cards away to right, illegal yeah. immigrants for some reason. I, I didn't catch the reason, but right. they're about to do that. And um, Well, when they're not coming here to collect the benefits, they're beating the snot out of police officers and then getting let out to walk the street. Yeah. Basically in the yep, same Yep, there day. was that story yeah. that went around where the guys got let out and is immediately just flipping off all the yeah. cameras. And double double birds at the media. Yeah. Right? So, I mean, it makes sense that people are concerned about this stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially, like I said, when you look at the numbers. I mean, these are huge numbers. Right. <clears throat> that they're talking about allowing just and giving amnesty in it. You know, it's it's a sort of slap in the face to everybody who's been waiting in line. Right. And who went through the legal process exactly. to become a citizen. So it's really not a good look, you know, for right. the United States and for, for our policy regarding the law. Right. Well, it eventually impacts a whole bunch of stuff. Like, um, you know... If you want to look at union workers, what's going to hurt the pay of a union worker more than somebody who's willing to come in and get paid under the table for less money? Right. You know, potentially taking jobs away from not only union workers, but all workers. But, you know, what I pick out union workers because they usually favor Democrats. So that's not often something... That uh, is pointed out, like how immigration policy, like open immigration policy, affects the people in the party. The same people that want, you know, more unions and open immigration, they kind of go in conflict with each other. Well, I just think it's crazy how long this has been coming down the pike, too. I mean, certain people have known about George Soros and the Great Society. Mm-hmm. sort of what do you call that utopia sort of yeah, concept uh-huh. utopia on earth we're just going to build the best world you know one one world one government one uh-huh. everything it's just crazy to see people's reactions to it now right. and for it to have even come so far i mean right <laughs> It's really preposterous, and I don't know if you're ready to lead into my next story, but I feel like it leads well into what we see the Senate doing right now, passing this, whatever they call it, border defense uh-huh. bill. Well, the only thing that popped in my mind, just as you're saying, it's you know that about how it's even come this far. It is kind of crazy that states like Texas uh, have to even worry about defending the border because that's supposed to be the federal government's job to do so but they're not doing it and Texas and even if it wasn't Greg Abbott whoever would be the governor if Texas feels like their people and their citizenry are under threat by the massive numbers of people that are coming through their state they certainly should have the right to do something about it and that's Hopefully, what we're going to find out, what what right they do have. Well, absolutely. If the government's derelict in their duty, which they mm-hmm. are, they're asleep at the wheel on this issue. We've right. been covering this for years. Yeah. But yeah, we can go into um, your story. 
the border bill that they've well i think it's interesting because it it has i'm not sure i don't have the exact verbiage in front of me but whatever they call it it's one of those misnomer bills where they call it like the border defense bill Uh, or something it doesn't defend the border no it doesn't really have very much to do with the border at all whatsoever can you guess the price tag on this bill i don't know i don't think i've seen it's 118 billion dollars jeez okay guess how much of it goes down to the southern border like 20 million bingo 20 billion yeah billion 20 billion but meanwhile guess where the rest of the money goes ukraine and israel and who else knows where mostly yes isn't that crazy yeah listen to this okay 60 billion of the 118 billion dollar bill is going to ukraine do you know what the annual budget for the united states navy is i'm gonna guess it's probably less than that like 54 billion oh okay close so that's the whole united yeah. states navy's budget we just more gave it away more than we're just handing it over mm-hmm. that just boggles my mind meanwhile 20 billion is being spent on our border right 14 billion goes to israel and 10 billion are going to the gaza civilians to their people right and then yeah of course there's some other dollars in there that i don't know what they're going to Uh billions of dollars going to other things but only 20 is going to the only 20 of like an almost 120 billion dollar bill is going to the border Mm -hmm. it just is crazy to me right well and i wouldn't be surprised well i guess that's not what i want to say i mean I would wonder where exactly the money at the border is, is going to be spent. Are they planning to actually spend it spend it on uh, deterring the the flow, or are they just going to spend it on hiring more people to process? Right. Because if they're just going to hire more people to process, that's not solving the problem at all. Well, one of the interesting things is that, what's his name, the Speaker of the House? Mike Johnson. Mike Johnson. Huh? He has said that this Senate bill is dead on arrival yeah. in the House. Right. That it's not going to pass. It shouldn't. It's, well, of course it shouldn't. I mean, it's ridiculous. <laughs> but I want to read to you. I was reading this political article. Mm-hmm. And I found this part particularly interesting. The whole article is going to be linked in the show notes for today, but... I want to read this par- this passage here where it says, according to this guy named Stephen Wertheim in a book he wrote, the United States has fecklessly overextended itself in the Middle East, Europe, and the Indo-Pacific with no clear strategy at a time when its defense industrial, its defense industrial base is ill-prepared and its domestic politics are polarized and often paralyzed. This is causing dissension in both political parties. Both President Donald Trump's MAGA Republicans and progressive Democrats have raised questions about an overcommitment of U.S. aid abroad. And I thought that was particularly interesting because, you know, I was a classics major. 
And that's exactly how Rome fell, was it overextended itself, you know, and we're just spending ourselves into oblivion. They Mm -hmm. had devalued their currency, Rome, I mean, they had completely devalued their currency. You know, they were using gold and silver and bronze, and they had watered down how much of the particular alloy or whatever was in their coins that it was meaningless, it was worthless. And we've done the same thing. We don't even use coin, but our money is truly, <laughs> you know, worthless. Uh-huh. And here we are spending all this money abroad, right. not paying attention to ourselves, you right. know, and almost using these cycles as a distraction, you know, that's been said before. And meanwhile, I'm afraid as we've covered before that we're just going to get to a point where the bo- the bottom's going to drop drop out of the bucket as bob marley would say one day the bottom's going to drop out of this thing okay and oh, it sure will yeah the bills I, will come due absolutely and when i look at you know we've just had some um sort of ratcheting up of the conflict over, uh, you know, we had these drone strikes in uh-huh, Jordan yeah. on January 28th. Did you see about that? Uh-huh, right. And th- there was an interesting quote surrounding that. Well, a couple of them. First of all, Biden has said that we're going to continue to defend ourselves, you know, almost suggesting that, you know, we're going to keep fighting back. We're going to keep fighting. Well, we shouldn't really be on the defensive necessarily because if we're still just defending ourselves against their little attacks they're just going to keep doing their little attacks but go on well I'm just leading up to a quote from Blinken where he Uh has said that we've not seen a situation as dangerous as this since 1973 or even before that so I'm not sure exactly what he's speaking to in 1973 but I just feel like we are at a very precarious moment. Oh, yeah. And there are some things floating around. I think there are some some people know it. The people know that tensions are high. Right. And I saw just as a sort of trending thing going around on a YouTube short where this guy called into the Navy and he talked to the recruiter or whatever and ask the guy, you know, is it true what I've heard that you guys have lowered your requirements to get in? And the Navy's like, yes, that's true. You don't have to have a GED anymore. You just have to get, like, basically a minimum passing score on the admittance test or whatever. And the guy looks at the camera, you know, at all his TikTok fans or whatever and, and says, well, you heard it here, folks. We're going to war. You know, and basically just trying to stir the pot and say that that's proof that, you know, we're going to war, even though, like you said, when I think I brought this up with you the other day, I think all the military branches have been lowering their standards for some time. But I'm just trying to say, I think the general public feels it and that there's some concern over whether or not the draft's going to be reinstated or we're going to have a much bigger conflict that's going to affect the united states right yeah i mean among all the foreign concerns that you're kind of talking about it to link 
back to the immigration thing, not that I'm trying to take us all the way back, but it people are concerned with that in ways because we don't know what type of uh, you know, attacks could happen here at home because of the border being so open. And uh, that's been some people's concern too, so there are definitely uh, heightened tensions. Well, and let me blow your mind with this too. This uh-huh. is one thing, another sort of linked story that we have been following before. But you wonder how certain things will affect like the food market or prices oh, yeah. of uh-huh. things, goods. Um, I saw an interesting story about the EU right now. There's a bunch of protests going on outside the EU. A bunch of French farmers in particular are very upset by some things that are going on. Oh, yeah. Because heard about this. Uh-huh. Because the European market is being flooded with... Ukrainian um, agricultural products like wheat, cheap wheat. Mm. And the crazy thing that has the French so up in arms, the, the farmers so upset, is that the Ukrainians, I guess because of the war or whatever, they're allowed to sell their products into the European market or whatever. I suppose because it helps, it's a way of helping the country, you know, at right. this time, that yeah. they can sell this product. And that, you know, that there's a market for this product right now. But they're selling it so cheaply and unregulated. They can use other chemicals, other pesticides, mm. other things that farmers in the EU are not allowed. They're forbidden. Interesting. They have to use these higher-priced products, and they have to do it all organic, right. and they have to do it all to code. And uh, they can't undercut s- the French market. They can't sell their wheat, in particular, at the same price as this Euro- Ukrainian right. wheat. And I just thought that was awfully interesting, too, to think, yeah. here, we're just shoveling money into the Ukraine— Here's the interesting thing, too. The EU just met, and even though there's all this protesting Uh out in front of their headquarters or whatever, they did not even acknowledge it. And guess what they did in their meeting? Mm, I don't know. They voted to send more money to Ukraine. Oh, of course. That's what they did in in their meeting that day or whatever, their latest meeting. Hmm. They walk right through this sea of protesters and vote to give more money to Ukraine. <laughs> right. Screw the French farmers. Right. It's interesting that you mentioned that because um, there's been some other stories about European farmers. Uh, the other ones, I think, have been more related to like an environmental regulations that are going to damage their ability to produce uh, whatever it is that they farm. Right. Um I think it's been as like in the Netherlands, maybe and in Germany. There's been a couple other places. So I think that's interesting that here we have another group of farmers getting upset over ridiculous rules that the European Union's doing. I feel like a lot of things are hanging on the edge. Yeah, that's kind of what's stirring around in my head. There's like a lot of lot of little bubbles boiling. Yep, All a lot of things place. are linked. You know, right. we were covering a story of grain shortages in Africa. Right. 
And I, one just has to wonder when one little domino is going to fall over. Right. And it's shortages here. Shortages everywhere. Global shortages. Right. I mean, all these French farmers, for instance, are protesting right now. Well, who's tending the farm? Right. Is yeah. crop just going fallow? Is that going to run prices up astronomically high? Right. Yeah. Right. Well, follow the what's going on around the world and even back here at home. It definitely seems like it's been having a pretty big impact on President Biden's polling numbers and his reelection prospects, at least from what I see and in my opinion, are not looking very good. No. Right now, anyway. Well, and they shouldn't. I mean, right, you know, to follow everything that we've been talking about, I think he started right from the get-go mm-hmm. with bangling the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Right. You know? I mean, that was a big... He just lit a, a tinderbox right. right away and sh- showed the whole world what kind of a weak uh, president uh-huh. he was going to be. Right. Well, I mean, that... I think that was one thing, and particularly for the immigration issue, it was like day one or day two when he got rid of the Remain in Mexico policy, which plenty of people have pointed out was working. Yeah. Um, well, absolutely. And he said on the campaign, you know, come. They should come. Right. Yeah, surge the border. Surge the border. Yep. Goodness, has, hasn't that happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yes, and um, I was talking to a family member the other day, and they were kind of talking about how they weren't so sure of who they would vote for, and I uh, pointed out that you know I'm definitely voting for Trump, even though I've had some of my issues with them, and you now for a more uh, I guess less politically engaged person, the way I would look at it is. I'd rather vote for a guy who did good things but said some not-so-good things sometimes versus a man who supposedly says good things but has done bad things to our country. Uh, I don't really see Biden as having a prayer. Right. I I don't either at this well, point. Well, and finally, I don't know if you saw these headlines, but... The polling has started to reflect that, finally. Trump's coming up. I mean, I think in the last round of polling, he came, he beat Biden for the first time. Even the liberal outlets had to acknowledge it. And then they've had to acknowledge that he's going up. I think now he has like a five-point lead over Biden in national polling. So I just think it's really about time that they start reporting it right, because who in their right mind could be voting for that guy? Right, exactly. And even a few months ago, when I thought Donald Trump probably didn't have a good chance, I certainly didn't see how, however many months ago, I I didn't see all this stuff going on, of course, then. So it certainly has changed my opinion, all the you know, stuff that's happening in the Middle East and how much worse the border situation has gotten, stuff like that. So it certainly has changed my opinion on uh, Trump's 
re-election prospects. Right. Well, I think a few people it has. I don't, yeah. I'm sure you've seen some of the headlines about, you know, I guess Biden's polling is way down with African-American voters. Right, yes, I've seen that. And a few people have come out, a few big names in the black community have come out for Trump. Like, um, who was it? Snoop Dogg. Mm-hmm. Snoop Dogg came out and says he's got nothing but love for right. Trump. Love and respect, something like that. Right? I mean, which really is the way it's always been. You yes. Know, going back to, like, the early 2000s and even probably in, like, the late 90s, these rappers have been talking about Donald Trump and their rap songs. Rich is Trump. Yeah. You know, and, yeah, in positive manners, wanting to be like Trump. Huh? Having their name in gold like Trump and yep. all this. Um, you know, and even... I think I've seen, uh, I don't really know too much about the guy, Charlemagne the God. Yeah. I don't think he's come out and endorsed Trump, but I feel like I've saw a headline of him talking about how Joe Biden has not been doing very well. So even for those who still aren't really all that warm to Trump, it definitely seems like, just in general, uh, the support for Joe Biden has gone down. Well, and I think it's cool to see these big names coming out mm-hmm. for Trump. Like right. 50 Cent was one of them, you yeah. know? And I think it just brings that much more awareness because people who, you know, might be dumb enough to be swayed. I mean, uh-huh. I hate to put it that way, but there are people like that. And 50 carries a certain kind of audience. Sure. You know, Snoop Dogg brings a certain kind of audience. And I think anything that brings people to the right side... Uh-huh. Is good, you know? So I just think it's good to see that, see big names, see people, especially people who might make you think twice. You go 50 Cent is supporting Trump, you know? That really might make somebody in the middle or on the left. Right, I mean, yeah. Think twice. Right? Somebody might think, well, Donald Trump must have done something right if if 50 Cent of all people is going to endorse him. Right. Maybe I shouldn't save all people, but, you know, somebody like 50 Cent, I guess, is just what I'm trying to get at. Right. I mean, but I get what you're saying. You wouldn't think of somebody like 50 Cent. Right. He's not the first person coming to mind when I'm thinking about... You wouldn't expect a rapper of all people. Yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know. Right. Big name rapper. Right, yeah. Yes, I, I think... I think we're going to have Grover Cleveland number two. I think so, too. <laughs> I sure hope so. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. So am I. Uh, it's definitely feels like one of those type of years, a big kind of a historical year. I've said it last time, I believe. It's so. about time we have a sort of come to Jesus, you know, <laughs> what's that road to Damascus type of moment in right. our culture, in our society. Yeah, yep, definitely. And is that all you've got for the stories? That is, that's all I've got this week. All right, then, listeners, if you enjoyed this great conservative conversation, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and many other popular platforms. 
You can also subscribe to our channel on YouTube. We would greatly appreciate it. We hope you might share us with a friend or give us a thumbs up or a heart wherever you're interacting with us here. And as always, we thank you for listening.